If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Rams Up, a Los Angeles Rams podcast. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We cover other SoCal sports news of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Season 2, episode 25 here for you. What do we have for you this week? We have a sports pet peeve, and we are going to regurgitate our Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, and Who's Perplexed segment that we shared on our YouTube channel last week, in case you missed that. And last week we had our long-awaited Dodger segment. This week I have my NBA insider Matt back on to talk about the NBA Summer League, the NBA Draft, and the Lakers. So that'll be coming up shortly. Get through some NFL news. You know, I think I'm going to introduce a new segment called Mall the Media because I find myself doing just that. Various NFL writers, you know, most of them I like. They're just doing their job. Uh, but they miss the mark a lot, I think, and I enjoy calling them out. A couple of things they got right this week. Various polls among NFL players and executives. Maybe the media didn't have too much play in this. They're just reporting the results, but Aaron Donald named the best defensive tackle. Surprise, surprise. Jalen Ramsey named the best cornerback. 
And I guess that was probably a little bit more competitive. Uh, Ramsey did not have the best postseason, but he came out on top. And it was interesting to see Richard Sherman chiming in on Twitter, people taking shots at Ramsey and Sherman. He basically used it as an opportunity to state his own case for being one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And uh, Hey, sorry, Richard. Your best days are behind you. I'm not even sure you were one of the best cornerbacks in the league at any point. Probably top five. I think his game was limited. I think the structure of that Seahawks defense was to his benefit. Him just having to play on one side, not necessarily matching up against top receivers. Now, don't get me wrong. Richard Sherman was a great player, but I think that was a bad look. Jumping into the conversation on Twitter, defending Ramsey, and oh, by the way, I should be part of this conversation too. Nope, not buying it. He said basically, hey, P2 and I can join the conversation, but you are the standard right now. It's your time, shine. P2 being Patrick Peterson. And I'm like, hold on a second. Richard Sherman, great player, and I actually love the guy, love his intelligence. Love the way he plays the game, but I don't think he is in that conversation. Sorry, Ramsey responded. Stack up my first six years in the league to any corner in history. Three times first team all pro, five times pro bowler. Who else did that? Ramsey not necessarily arguing directly with Richard Sherman, just chiming in on Sherman's response. But I got a kick out of Richard Sherman there. CBS Sports ranked the Rams as the third best NFL roster behind the Bills and the Chargers. I don't have too much issue with that. On paper, Chargers have a very, very good roster. Just got to come out and admit that. Not going to split hairs over who should be ahead of who, but but Bills, Chargers, Rams, I don't have a big issue with that. NFL.com's Dan Hansis, and I remember I took issue with something he wrote a while back. I forget what it was, but he published his, what he's calling his Superstar Club. And his superstar quarterbacks right now, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. Now, if you didn't catch that, that's in alphabetical order. Uh, He said Matthew Stafford just didn't cut it. Now, I'm sorry. I'm taking Matthew Stafford over Dak Prescott, and probably Lamar Jackson, too. Playing in L.A., winning a Super Bowl, and stepping it up in the playoffs. What a great player. What a great season he had. In my book, Matthew Stafford's a superstar. He certainly is, if you're going to call Dak Prescott a superstar. I didn't get that one. Mike Florio, our friend over at Pro Football Talk, I mean, he loves taking shots at the Rams, even ex-Rams. He was talking about Baker Mayfield and the quarterback carousel in the league, and he said, Baker Mayfield is better than Jared Goff, period. Now, I think it's a good argument to have. I mean, maybe Jared Goff has hit the ceiling, and maybe Baker Mayfield has not, but there's some issues with Baker Mayfield. I think a lot of general managers would much prefer Jared Goff over Baker Mayfield. Again, it's a discussion to be had, a good argument. I see arguments for both sides if you're picking between those two, but Mike Florio emphatically stating 
This isn't even up for debate. Sorry, Mike. It certainly is. Personally, I'd take Goff. The Hall of Fame announced their semifinalists, 25 seniors and 25 coach contributors. The next step is to whittle it down to 12 each. And I'm going to take my hack at it next week, possibly on our YouTube channel drop, or maybe it'll wait to our next podcast to see how NFL news breaks in the next few days. But 25 of each have made the cut so far, and I'm going to tell you which 12 seniors and which 12 Coach contributors should move on. From a Rams perspective, the guys to be aware of, Eddie Meter, the defensive back from the 60s, is still on the list. And Maxie Bond, who was involved in, up to that point, one of the biggest trades in NFL history in the 1970s. Eight players between the Rams and Washington, some draft picks involved too. So he's still on the list as well. But we'll get back to that another day. Our Max Muncie watch. Batting 159 after going 0 for 4 Saturday. He's in the lineup again Sunday. Not looking good for Max Muncy. We'll be back in a minute with our sports pet peeve. Who's pumped, who's pissed, and who's perplexed. And then and then our NBA Lakers segment with Matt. Greetings, Ram fans. I have a sports pet peeve for you this week, and I suspect this is one I'm going to get some pushback on. I have a feeling a lot of you macho football fans are going to disagree with me, but it is what it is. And this is my pet peeve. Let's say a high school football team's up on their opponent 14 to nothing after a couple possessions. And then it's 28 to nothing. And by halftime, it's 48 or 56 to nothing. You know, you've all seen this happen. And they continue to run the score up, continue to push forward. Now, you know what? I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Do whatever you think is right, I suppose. I think in most sports, coaches and managers have techniques at their disposal to continue to push their team without running up the score. Now, sometimes it's unavoidable. I get it. You put in your subs. They play hard. Put up another 24 points. You start just running the ball between the tackles, and the other team can't tackle worth a lick, and you find yourself in the end zone over and over again. So there are situations like that. And sometimes there are situations where the opposition gets unnecessarily spun up, They don't necessarily recognize what the other team might be doing to hold down the score, or they just are correct that the other team is running it up and get pretty pissed off. I actually had two opposing coaches at a U8 soccer game, of all things, go off on me back in the day. I had three boys that were just very good at putting the ball in the net, not because of my coaching and the other team, very weak. It was quite a mismatch, and as the ball continued to find its way into the net, I was talking to my boys, hey, stay back, stay back, kick the ball across 
midfield and have a couple of our weaker players chase it down. If they can score, so be it. But I had one kid that was just super hyperactive at that age, and I could not reel him in. And you can't pull kids. This was AYSO. Everybody plays their three quarters. And I was going nuts trying to figure out what to do to keep the score down. I think it ended up being like eight or nine to nothing. And these coaches were so pissed off at me. And I was like, I looked at my assistant coach. Well, we're just going to have to take it. We're going to have to take the bullet here. They don't understand what we are trying to do. And the next week they both apologized to me. They realized that it certainly wasn't anything I did. Uh, we did our part trying to be good sports as coaches, but sometimes it's just really hard to, hey, and we're not trained for this. I was just a parent thrown into coach. You know, if I experienced that two or three times, maybe by then I would have figured out some better ways of keeping the score down. The funny thing is, is the next week I was all, I was hell-bent on making sure our team didn't obliterate another team again and get in trouble with the board. And it just so happens I was playing a team that was having the same problem and they crushed us. I didn't think it was possible. They beat us like six or seven to nothing. I was like, oh, back-to-back games. This did not line up well for us. But none of that has anything to do with my pet peeve. My sports pet peeve is the people who say, if you don't like it, stop them. Now, I've seen this several times, mostly on social media. I've seen high school football coaches pipe in like that. And a lot of parents and fans, if you don't like it, stop them. Isn't this sort of like telling a homeless person to just buy a house? Clearly, the other team is trying to stop them, and they can't. Some people just don't understand the concept of pulling back when you have an overmatched opponent. Now, you can say, hey, we're going to run up the score. And that's just the way it's going to be. We're not slowing down. We're not pumping the brakes. But don't come back at us with this. If you don't like it, stop them. It's just silly. And again, I know there's a lot of exceptions for whatever reason. We're pulling back is not an option in college football. Point differential can be important. But I heard one high school coach in Texas who said that the reason he kept on running up the scores is because in previous years, his team got into the playoffs and they just got tuckered out in the third and fourth quarter because he had been pulling his guys all year long, up 62 to nothing at halftime. He pulls the starters. Then he gets to the playoffs and his boys just can't do it. Can't play a full game against a worthy opponent. You know what? I'm not buying that. I don't ever remember being spent physically as a high school athlete, high school age, unless it was in training, not during the game. I mean, you can get tuckered out in cross country, maybe in basketball, wrestling, I think for sure. In football, I don't know. I I don't really see that as happening. Maybe it's a Texas thing, but growing up here in California, I don't remember seeing that. What I remember is high school training was so challenging that playing a full game of football never was a problem for anybody I knew. 
So just quit it with this macho, if you don't like it, stop them creed. I think it's kind of ignorant. Before we move on, if you missed my midweek drop on the YouTube channel, I shared a who's pumped, who's pissed, and who's perplexed segment where we try to imagine which NFL fan bases are pumped, which ones are pissed, and which ones are perplexed. I'm going to run through that again real quick in case you missed it. Drop that on Wednesday morning. I think it was on the YouTube channel. And you know what? I think the Ram fan base is pumped, and rightfully so. We have our best players under contract. Ramsey, Cup, Donald, and Stafford, all of them happy. Coming off a Super Bowl win, the greatest stadium in the world, the best team in the division, clearly, I think, and probably in the NFC. A lot of NFC teams taking a step back, in my opinion. Ram fans should be pumped. You better be. I am. That's for sure. Who else is pumped? I think the Carolina Panthers, their fan base is pumped. They got the new quarterback, Baker Mayfield. So what do they got? They got Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and the rookie, Matt Corral. No franchise quarterbacks there, but I think you still have to be excited with that stable of quarterbacks. Hey, if nothing else, your team is showing that they're in it to win it. They're making a play for this season. They're not waiting for that quarterback to develop and they get that great running back once again healthy, hopefully. Panthers fans have to be a little excited. And who else is pumped? Maybe the Houston Texans. Did they dodge a bullet? I mean, I don't think the Texans are going anywhere anytime soon. But they have to be happy that their quarterback is not named Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to get into that a lot. I'll get myself into trouble. I'm just saying, Texans got to be happy he's not on their roster. And for the same reason, I think the Cleveland Browns fan base has to be kind of pissed. I mean, they have Watson. They got rid of Mayfield. Where does that leave them, though? I mean, this is a team that a couple of years ago, everybody was on their bandwagon. Great offensive line, young coach getting it done. Signed a couple of Rams, thinking they were going to make a playoff push. And who did they play on opening day? The Carolina Panthers, led most likely by quarterback Baker Mayfield. And who's perplexed? I just have one team on my perplexed list, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. Standing pat with Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and Jacob Eason. They got the two great wide receivers, Metcalf and Lockett. I think they have some good running backs. That defense was horrible last year, last two years. If I'm a Seahawk fan, I mean, that fan base, it's a pretty good fan base, and they're going to stay behind that team until Todd Gurley puts the Rams up 34 to nothing before halftime. Well, we know it's not going to be Todd Gurley, but you get the point. I'll never forget that game. Gurley racing to the end zone and that 12th man filing out of that Seattle stadium before halftime. Going off on a sorry, going off on a tangent here, but my point is, except for that instance, Seahawks fans generally stay behind their team, and I think they will this year. I think the Seahawks actually will be better than a lot of people are predicting. I don't think they're a playoff team. That said, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I am a bit perplexed. 
The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet for up to $1,000. And looking for something to bet on? Look no further than the Dodgers in the month of July. They get the Cubs, Cardinals, Angels, and Giants all coming up. Doesn't get much better than that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey everybody, I have Matt here with me today. He's our insider on the NBA, all things NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers especially. How you doing, Matt? Good. So I wanted to have you on to further our discussion about two things. One, the NBA draft, some of the top guys that came out of that, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Lakers Now, you um, had shared with me, and it's already evident in the Summer League, that there are four players out of this NBA draft that have already demonstrated that they are going to very likely be elite three for sure. So let's talk about each of them a little bit and tell me why they are special and what you've seen so far from them. Number one is Paulo Bancaro out of Duke, drafted by the Orlando Magic. Yeah. This is the first draft in a while where I think there's been three guys that uh, you can argue or could go number one. Usually it's a battle between two guys um, and even just one clear-cut guy. But I feel like it was a coin toss on who could go one to the Magic. And it was actually a secret. Like The whole time, everyone thought it was going to be Jabari Smith. And then about an hour before the draft, uh, there were rumors that it was going to be Bankero. Yeah, kind of similar. It, it kind of reminded me of when uh, Baker went number one to the Browns um, for a while. Um, I, I can't remember what quarterback was rumored to go number one overall, but then all of a sudden, right before the draft, like Baker was going to be the guy. Out of all three guys, he's uh, for sure the most NBA ready. Like he probably has the best shot to win Rookie of the Year. He's so skilled, and I think he's like six ten, six eleven. And just big body. So yeah, he 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 has a chance to be really special. And the Magic are putting together. They have a, a good young roster with uh, Wagner and uh, the the guy they got in the first round last year, uh, the guard out of Gonzaga. I have it here right in front of me. Jalen Suggs is the guy you're thinking of. And going back to that Baker Mayfield draft, I believe it was Sam Darnold because he went third in the draft. Both of them going ahead of Josh Allen. Crazy. So what and the other guy I should share with everybody the three that you're talking about uh, that have a chance to be elite. So we got Paulo Bancaro out of Duke, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, Jabari Smith out of Auburn, and Holmgren. I saw a bit of him uh, going up against UCLA uh, early in the year, early in the season last year, and he's clearly something special. And yeah. uh, late in the year in the NCAA tournament, go ahead. Yeah, he he's a unicorn. Um, uh, I don't know if like I think he's the hardest to evaluate just because 
We've never seen anything like him. He's like 7-1, 7-2, but he can shoot it. He can handle it. He can pass. Uh, think of like Christoph Porzingis, but way better. <laughs> um, well, the, my question about him is, and and uh, I obviously he's going to be a great player, but you know you immediately think he's going to play center, and I know the NBA is somewhat positionless at this point. But he, I don't know, is he a guy that can go inside and bang with the big boys, or is that something you maybe you don't want him doing? Yeah, maybe not yet. But I mean, he's like 18, 19 years old. He's he's got to put on some weight and gain some muscle. Um, and I think eventually he could be that. But yeah, that's I think that's the scariest part with him is just his body type. Like, uh, I would be a, that that'd be the one thing that would scare me away from taking him is just i can't uh, it's hard to imagine him holding up against these big yeah, guys and, and for those of listening that may not be aware he is rail thin uh i don't know what his weight is but for a seven footer he's scary light uh but man he lo- you're right he looks like a, an incredible athlete ball handler shooter the whole package uh how do you defend against and a good passer too right yeah, yeah, he he's got it all, and I mean he he can hit step backs. He he can do it all, and uh, what separates him is defensively, like the way he affects shots and block shots. Yeah, and and I think another thing that hurt him is playing in that Gonzaga offense. Like, yeah, it's a good team, but they have such like this system that I don't think it was best suited for him to showcase uh, the ability that he really had. But yeah, he he can be special, and he definitely out of all the guys in the draft, he definitely has the most upside. So the Thunder uh, got him at two, and I'd be excited if I was them. And then the other guy is Jabari Smith out of Auburn, uh, drafted by the Rockets, and he's your third elite player in this draft? Yeah, and I think he uh, he kind of reminds I hate saying like who they remind me of because I'm not saying they're going to be that guy, but just if you, you want to picture what style of player he would be, he reminds me of like Kevin Durant. You dropped out there. You said Kevin Durant. Yeah, he has a really good uh, stroke. Okay, now we talked a little bit uh, offline about these next two guys. Uh, an interesting situation that happened with Sacramento. Uh, the the fourth elite guy, maybe a step below the first three, is Jaden Ivey out of Purdue, drafted by the Pistons. But he went fifth, and the Kings passed on him and drafted Keegan Murray. So share with everybody what you think happened there. Why did the Kings, who have a history of passing on great players, uh, they passed on Jaden Ivey and their, I guess their hand may have been forced. Is that the case? Yeah, they didn't really have much of a choice. So supposedly uh, Jaden Ivey like, didn't want to go there. He like refused to like meet with the Kings and didn't work out there. And so the King is like, do you draft him with the fourth pick if he doesn't even want to be there? So they're kind of, their hand was kind of forced and they, they went with Keegan Murray, Murray, who, who has a chance to be really good. And actually in the, the summer league games uh, that he's played in already, he he's had some moments, but I think Jaden Ivey uh, has a chance to be real special. I think everyone kind of had their, that first tier. And then Ivey was kind of in the tier right below them by himself. Um, but with the King's history, you have to be, I would be so scared if I was a Kings fan. I mean, they passed on Luca and went with Bagley. They they took someone in front of Damian Lillard. They famously took Jimmer Fredette uh, one spot in front of Clay Thompson. 
So they have uh, a history. Um, so yeah, I'd be scared if I was a, a Kings fan because I think Jaden Ivey, he he has that Jaw Morant athleticism, and uh, he's that type of point guard. I was just going to ask you who he compares to and what kind of player he is. Okay. Yeah, he's an electric athlete. He even has a similar shot to John Morant. Um, so it's like, uh, that. That's. I mean, no one is, is going to be as athletic as John Morant, but think of like a John Morant light uh, when watching him. Okay, now we want to talk a little bit about the Lakers, and you had said that they have done an excellent job identifying uh, guys in the draft. and. Uh, undrafted free agents as well, I guess, and bringing them on and seeing a lot of uh, a lot of promise early on with some guys. Before we do that, I wanted to revisit the trade situation. So you think uh, there is a trade in the works possibly that would in- include Westbrook, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, and and maybe some draft picks for Kyrie Irving? Yeah. I, I think it's it's bound to happen. Um, I can't imagine Westbrook on the roster uh, when the season starts. And I, th- I, I there's been rumors that the Nets and Lakers have discussed some trades. And I think it's the Nets just trying to get as many as much draft capital as possible out of them. Um, so the Lakers have those two first round picks, the 2027 and 2029, and those are scary to give up, uh, especially with the way the Lakers looked last year and how old LeBron will be. And can't imagine that he has much longer. At the same time, you you got to do whatever it takes to get Westbrook off this team, in my opinion. I mean, he was he was off last year. I don't care what the stats say. Bringing in Kyrie, <laughs> that's also scary too because uh done his best to to blow up every team he's been on recently. Um, and, he's, but and, he's still, and he's still part of the Flat Earth Society, as far as we know. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, yeah, so it is a little scary, but the Westbrook just doesn't make sense on this team. It didn't make sense when they assigned him, and it, it you saw it play out last year. Um, but to get if you can get Kyrie and and get a, a shooter out of it, I mean, Joe Harris is someone that they I think the Nets want to include. The Lakers are trying to get Seth Curry in the deal, which would be awesome. I can't imagine that the Nets would give up Seth Curry, um, but they got to include someone to match the contracts. I assume it's Joe Harris. So adding a shooter and then Kyrie, who who is also a good shooter is, is something that I think that that will eventually happen. Um, but I think that the Nets are just waiting it out. They have, they're, they're in no rush. Okay. So let's talk about these um, young guys. Uh, the first one, I guess we should talk about is their, he was taken in the second round of this year, a second round, I believe, Max Christie, the guard. And he's looked good in summer camp, so I hear. Yeah, he, I mean, his shot. I, sh- I shouldn't call it summer camp, but it's summer league. His shot. I mean, if you are trying to learn how to how to shoot a perfect shot, look up his, his shooting uh, form. It's perfect. But it, it hasn't falled at the clip, you, the, the clip you'd expect it to. Um, I mean, he has he has all the fundamentals down uh, of shooting. So you'd you'd, you'd expect he'd get in there, and uh, the player development would be able to develop him, and, and just be able to hit that corner three. But um, what I've noticed with him is his rebounding and his defense. He looks like he has a chance to be an elite defender, and to get like a, a three and D guy that could come in off the bench, 
defend the other. Like that's the big thing now. The three and D guy, the guys that could play two ways. But yeah, I think I think that's where I I could see him being a a big add to the roster is later in the season. Come in, play some really good defense, hit some open shots. But yeah, he's he's got a chance to. You never want to overreact when you watch these summer league games, but the the way the Lakers have drafted and found guys, it's hard not to overreact because they've done so well. I think last year I even came on during summer league and mentioned how good Austin Reeves looked. And I was like, man, right, they may yeah. have found someone. And and sure enough, he, he was awesome last year. I love that kid. So yeah, uh, it, it's hard not to get excited with the six. I mean, and, and then the two-way players too, like that's Alex Caruso was a two-way player. Yeah, and, great defender. And he's turned out to be, he, he's awesome. I, I still can't believe the Lakers let him go. So yeah, they, their player development and their scouts have done a great job similar to the Rams. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, exciting. I, I remember watching a little bit of a random uh, bowl game last year. And now my eyes are not trained to see these things, but the announcers were pointing out that Alex Caruso was basically controlling the game with his defense and hustle. Uh, yeah, man. He's so good. I love that guy. And another guy they found this year, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., he's looked promising in summer league as well. He, uh, he could be a really good point guard, like off the bench. Kind of reminds me of like Tyus Jones, uh, who was on Memphis and now on Minnesota. Um, but he's a really good passer. I mean, every game he'll have two or three no look passes that are just incredible. Um, and speaking of controlling the game, yeah, he he's been good, and he's another. Uh, he's shown his defense. So yeah, he he has a chance, and he was he's one of the two two way players that the Lakers uh, signed him and Cole Swider, who's the other one that. He looks like he could be really good too. He's six nine, really good shooter. Kind of reminds me of the, the Kuzma body type. Every shot has just looked great, and he's he's hitting at a good a good rate too. And then uh, you had mentioned another guy, Jay Huff. So they're the Lakers' first two summer league games. He looked really good. Big guy. He's like seven one. And you know he's going to be a, a good defender because he, he came out of University of Virginia and they always have good – everyone that comes out of there is a good defender. But he could shoot it. He, he uh, hit a couple open threes and he uh, defensively was just changing everyone's shot, blocking shots, catching lobs. And he has this thing he does when he catches lobs. He like does a reverse jam on the lob like every time. Now he recently – they just announced that he got like – he was in the COVID uh, protocol which is unfortunate because I really wanted to watch him play because he looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I think those four guys all have a chance to eventually be on the, the roster. I mean, the two-way players will play there a little bit. They'll go back and forth between the G League and the Lakers roster. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting. So if you throw those three guys in onto this roster, along with Austin Reeves that you find from last year, uh, maybe they have enough people to – I mean, I guess with the Lakers – it all comes down to the health of uh, their two key guys there, right? Yeah, especially um, Anthony Davis. And I think I mentioned it last year, too. Like, Anthony Davis needs to have the type of impact that Giannis has on the books, um, both sides of the ball. And that's what I thought he was going to be. And, like, I know it's a lot has to do with health because he's always banged up. But he needs to step up and – uh, he needs to be in the MVP conversation if the Lakers are going to do anything this year. 
So if you figure, let's assume they bring in Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Uh, we think Austin Reeves is going to make a contribution, and hopefully Max Christie. The other guys, uh, Swider, Pippen, and Huff, uh, probably more a year down the road, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I wouldn't expect much from them early on. Yeah. Uh, and and who else uh, on this roster are going to be key guys? Do you think? Well, they signed. You could tell that that they made an emphasis of signing young guys and to get young and quicker and faster. Previous year, last year especially, they had so many old guys and old. They just seemed so slow. So you could tell they really wanted to uh, to find young players uh, that can make an impact, and and they did that. And they signed uh, Lonnie Walker. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth, and he'll kind of fill that Malik Monk role because they lost him to Sacramento. Yeah, um, that's a big loss, I think. Yeah, I love I love Malik Monk. Uh, I was hoping they could bring him back, but I think Lonnie Walker could be good. Uh, he he struggled a bit and hasn't lived up to what I thought he was going to be, but I think uh, I think he has potential and he'll be a good uh, uh, a good spot for him. And then Nunn Kendrick Nunn comes back and he didn't play at all last year. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but they announced he had like a bone contusion at the beginning of the season. And then he just like never came back. So it's, <laughs> I don't know what happened with that, but I think he could, he could be a guy off the bench that, uh, uh, that can do some scoring. Um, but then they brought back Thomas Bryant, who was, uh, uh, they actually drafted him a while. I can't remember if they drafted him or if he was undrafted, uh, but he comes back and he'll be a center that competes for the starting job. Uh, and I think with that trade, uh, maybe Joe Harris, if Joe Harris is included or if uh, let's pray uh, Seth Curry is, is in the deal too. Uh, they have a, a roster that uh, can compete, but it, it all comes down to Anthony Davis being healthy and uh, how much longer can LeBron play at an elite level. Okay. That's a good snapshot of the NBA and the Lakers at this point. Uh, maybe we'll have you back on before the NBA season starts and kind of gauge which which teams you think are going to make a run for a title, uh, which teams might surprise us, which teams might disappoint us, that type of thing. Yep, sounds good. Okay, thanks a lot, Matt, and um, you have a good rest of your day. I really appreciate your time. No problem, bye. Okay, bye. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at ramsup.com. You'll find links to all of our episodes and a link to our YouTube channel. And you can also leave us a voicemail from our website. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.